0: Welcome to Lady Bits and Leadership, a brave space where women come together to share stories about our bodies, our sexuality, and motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Vogel, and my mission in life is helping women feel less alone, process their trauma, and build the lives they desire. So if you're ready to join a community of women who have found their voices, who have become liberated from shame and reclaim their power, then you're in the right place, girl. You found us. We're so happy you're here.
1: Guess what? It's Mother's Day. Mother's Day? Can you say Happy Mother's Day? Happy birthday. Mother's Day. (laughs) Thank you. I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you. Do you love the mama? Mm -hmm. Very much? Mm -hmm. How much? Very much. Oh, thank you so much. Do you want to sing a song? Mm -hmm. Which song? Um, uh, uh, um, Coco Melon. Coco Melon? Coco Melon doesn't have a song. Mm-hmm. It, it's some in Canto. Okay, can you sing in Canto for me? We don't talk about no, no. We don't talk about food, no, no. Oh, Mommy. Yeah. We, 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 we gotta go. Snuggle Papa. You gotta go snuggle Papa. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Papa's still sleeping. <clears throat> mm hmm. Can we go make him coffee? Uh huh. Oh okay. Let's go. Um no. Oh no. Uh huh. What are we gonna do? We gonna play trains. Oh, you wanna go play trains? Uh huh. No 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 I play trains. Yes please. Okay. Let's go. You wanna change out of your diaper? Uh, uh, what? Because. Because why? Because. <laughs> Can we sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? Uh-huh. Okay, let's sing. Twinkle, little star, how I wonder the, ah, of, what you are. A-v-v-v-va-what you are. I like a diamond in, 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 in the sky. Trigger, trigger, little saw how I run the whistle off. Yay! Yeah.
0: I love you Hello, my loves. it is mother's day twenty twenty two Here we are. I'm so happy to be with you all this week and to celebrate Mother's Day together. I am currently um, recording this podcast alone because that's what I wanted for Mother's Day was to be alone. I'm also working on writing a chapter for a book, which is very exciting um I'm going to be a part of a book that's about entrepreneurs in the sexual education space. So that is super exciting. And that is what I wanted for Mother's Day and Leo knew exactly that. He said, "Why not for Mother's Day you take some time to yourself." And I was like, "Oh my god. This is the best gift ever. Thank you so much." So I have about 7 hours where I just get to write and research and read and for some of you, you might be thinking to yourself, "That sounds amazing." Yes, girl, it is amazing. And then when I come home, we'll all hang out and we'll all eat good food and we'll all be together as a family and that's awesome. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing today as well as recording this podcast. I know last week was a particularly tough issue. Um it was my abortion story that I shared. A big part of the abortion story for me was I wanted to be ready to choose motherhood. And so 9 years or so after my abortion when I was finally at a place in my life where Leo and I were economically doing very well. Our careers had taken off. We were both directors um, in the higher education field. We both had a savings. We had spent our time traveling the world, doing what it was that we wanted to do and accomplish as individuals and as a couple. And we looked at each other and said, you know, is it time, do we want to do it? And to be honest, like a part of us had gotten used to a life without babies, um, without a baby, without any babies. And I'm going to be real. We weren't quite sure that that was our space. I think we both knew that if we didn't end up having a child together, that our lives would be fulfilling because we had seen that the last nine years without a child was incredibly fulfilling. We were double income, no kids, or we used to call ourselves dinks. We were happy. And to jump into the unknown, especially when there's statistics showing that having children decreases your happiness in a relationship, we were a little wary to say, do we want to do this? Do we really want to mess up a good thing here with the promise of parenthood bliss? And I think we had talked to enough friends of ours who had had children earlier than us. You know, many of them were very open with us and were like, don't have children. And I think they also followed it up with, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever, but it's really hard, which is an understatement, right? Anyone who has children, I mean, it captures parenthood and also doesn't get anywhere near to capturing the depth and complexity of feelings about parenthood. We finally decided that, yep, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And then, like seven or eight months later, I got pregnant and had a beautiful pregnancy. I felt very strong. I felt very gorgeous. I, f- I really thought, like, this will be the only pregnancy I have. And so I really want to relish in that glow. And I was glowing, thankfully. Um, and I wasn't sick throughout my pregnancy, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I really took that time and space to really sink into this might be the only time that I'm experiencing it and what a beautiful thing that's happening in my body. I'm growing a human and I, I have to say, I mean, I was incredibly ready for it. I had read all the books, enough time had passed. I had accomplished the things that I wanted to. I was I was ready to immerse myself in this new chapter of my life, of our life together. I would have been in a very different headspace had the decision been forced upon me and had I not been able to choose. I wanted to spend Mother's Day with you all sharing my conversation with my doula. Uh, her name is Kathy Grimmett. She's a beautiful spirit, a wonderful soul. I am just eternally grateful that she was there during the night and the next day when I was laboring and giving birth to Ninoa. Um, A doula, for those who don't know, is different than a midwife. A midwife is a medical professional who, you know, helps you in the medical sphere when you're giving birth, checking, you know, checking your dilation, checking your blood pressure. They are, they're trained um, nurses and caregivers. And a doula is more like a coach. So they sometimes could have medical training, but generally they're there to help alleviate fears, anxieties give you strategies and different, I don't know, different methods and practices that you can use to have an easier birth. Anyone can give birth without a doula, but after having the experience of birthing with a doula, I would highly, highly recommend you hire one or find your way to one. You know, you can interview a couple of them, see who fits your vibe. We had such a lucky experience that when I birthed at UC San Diego, they had a volunteer doula program. So when I was rolled into the hospital on September 26th, uh, 2019, they asked me, do you want us to call a doula? Would you like to participate in that program? And I said, absolutely. And when Kathy walked in the door, I was so grateful because she had taught so many of my pre-birth classes. And so I already knew her and I knew what a wonderful person she was and I trusted her. And so this conversation was really about being empowered in your birth, what a doula is, what my birthing experience was like from both my perspective and her perspective. And you really dive into her role as a doula and how she helps moms begin their journey to motherhood in an empowered space. And I just love her so much. My birth would have been very different without her. And she will always be a part of our birth story. She was there from six centimeters dilated all the way to Ninoa taking his first breath and beyond. And she will forever be a part of our Ohana. And I'm eternally grateful. So without further ado, let's welcome Kathy Grimmett. Kathy Grimmett, welcome to Lady Bits and Leadership.
2: Hi, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this. I've been so excited. I almost feel like I'm a little starstruck with you. And thank you for inviting me to be part of it. It's so amazing
0: starstruck with me ma'am i am starstruck <laughs> with you i just so people know anyone can start a, a podcast let's just let's just put that out there i am not a superhuman i just decided i want women to feel empowered i've always known that I have lived my life towards that mission. And what I was finding was that all of my education, all of my work with young women is, in particular was on a college campus. And there are so many friends of mine that have not made it to college or when they went to college, didn't have this experience, you know, understanding more about their bodies and about ways that they can feel empowered as it relates to their bodies and their body confidence and their sexuality and sensuality or motherhood, which is a new journey for me that started at the time that you and I... I met. So I really wanted to have you on. You literally were one of the first people I thought of because oftentimes women in particular, especially women going through their first birthing experience, that is one of the most vulnerable positions that a woman
2: can be in. Absolutely. You were such a gift. And just like you, you can attest to that experience of having a baby and going through the birthing process is a transformation it's like you you were a little in a pod and you came out as a butterfly you just you found your wings mm-hmm. and you found your power and you were able to tap into that and you're never the same you're never the same
0: oh i'm getting chills i told you before we started <laughs> recording i'm going to cry for sure on this because i think there's so much to me, I'm not a super spiritual person. I know you are, but in the birthing experience, I felt very spiritual. I felt very connected with the yes. eons of women, the beginning of time. It was like, yes, every, my body completely took over. There yes. was literally, I gave up all control to completely evolutionary mammalian processes. Yes. And that is an extremely scary to know that like cool. you are out of control in some ways and we can talk about the ways that yeah. that you as a doula and the practices that you help provide help bring a sense of breath work and control back to that process because absolutely. you do have power in that
2: absolutely
0: but i did really feel spiritual and to to know that you know our son from the creation, from the inception of the sperm hitting the egg and boom, here's a, you know, here's a zygote. And then it grows and grows into a little human to welcome him into the world where he took, he stopped breathing. Well, he started breathing for the first time, stopped ingesting any kind of that amniotic fluid. And as you described in one of our classes, he experienced light for the first time. He experienced cold on his skin for the first time. Yes. He breathed his first breath of air. I mean, yes, I was
2: completely transformed. Yes, I and was exhausted, but oh, transformed. For sure. <laughs> yes, because because transformation is not easy. It takes a lot of stretching. It takes a lot of breaking down. It requires letting go, like you described. It's all of those things. And we become then something even more strong and resilient. And you can think of it kind of, I, I have um, clay making on the mind because my daughter right now in college is um, creating this, these clay formations and sculptures and such. And she puts them in a kiln. Mm-hmm. And when you put all this fire and heat and extreme circumstances around it, it emerges sometimes with new color, with new life, with new strength that it didn't have before.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that analogy. So yes. In this analogy though, you are the artist. I see you as the artist (laughs) and the birthing parent as the artist as well. You, so I want, what
2: would be good? I I would say- I wouldn't call myself so much the artist as much as the the orchestrator. You know mm-hmm. how how a coach stands on the side and he directs his team. Mm-hmm. This is the play. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put this in action and then it's up to you. That's fair. And I have yeah. to let that go. And yeah. because it's your your birth, your transformation, it's your journey and I'm just guiding you, pushing you in a, a direction and helping a little bit here and a little bit there that can then be translated by you because I have been in situations where I'm giving this kind of instruction and it is just falling on deaf ears. and it's like, okay, but that's okay because this is your journey. what's gonna work for you let's let's have this conversation. let's find out where you're comfortable, where you're at, and move from there. So, yeah, it does have an artistic flair, but I don't feel like I'm the creator. I like I'm definitely. That. Um, just a guide. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and I have to say when you stepped into the room, so just for everyone to have context, I birthed uh, Nainoa at UC San Diego and they have a volunteer doula program. And so Kathy is one of the many volunteers that works in the program. And so when I was six centimeters dilated in the waiting room, doing the intake, they're checking me and they asked, do you want us to call the volunteer doula? And I was like, heck yes a free doula. Let's do this. I need literally anyone. Well, first of all, I wanted anyone who could help. Second of all, I only ever plan on having one baby. So I wanted all the experiences. Mm -hmm. I went through every class UC San Diego taught, which you taught some of them. I wanted to be fully prepared. I watched all the birthing videos and I was like, yes, I'm ready for a doula. And when you walked in the room, I was like, Oh, heck yes. Not only do I have the doula, but I have my teacher in here. And you were like, hey, Sarah. And I was like, what's up, Kathy? We're having a baby. <laughs> I don't know if you remember my birth at all. Oh, you go yeah. to so many of them.
2: And yet yours is very special. And I do remember quite oh, a tell bit me. of it. Yeah, I do remember quite a bit of it. I mean, you'll have to remind me a few things. And then and then I will recall okay. more details. But I do remember that first moment of walking in the room and you were in the tub. Mm-hmm. And I kind of parted the curtains and you heard my voice, which was familiar to you. <laughs> and uh, it was like, hello. I know. And I'm I was aw. like, oh, no. <laughs> labor. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> and I remember you um, saying something about like, I just won the lottery, <laughs> the doula lottery. I sure, <laughs> the- <laughs> did. I sure did. Because,
0: e- mm-hmm. you know, even though you and I had only spent maybe four hours together for classes, you just had this calming presence about you. You showed up, I think, in scrubs or some kind of scrubs. You had your little kit of aromatherapy. You, unlike my husband and I, had been through birth yourself and witnessed over 100 births. So just having you there was like, okay, I'm going to be safe. That's how I felt. Yes. Yes. That's how I felt. Because, again, like not even though watching a thousand birth videos on Instagram, thank gosh, like, thank gosh, that's a thing. Cause I have a lot of anxiety. So (laughs) watching birth, I was like, okay, this is physically what it looks like. So this will, this is what it'll look like for me. Obviously birth can take a bunch of different kind of paths and look different and have different challenges along the way. But should I have a relatively Mm, easy standard birth. This is, you know, vaginal birth. This is what it's going to look like. So you walk in, I was like, I hit the lottery. What else do you remember about that?
2: Well, I, I remember you labored for quite a while in the birth center. Mm -hmm. And then at some point it was decided that we should go into labor and delivery and get an epidural. Is that right?
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I remember. Okay. So here's how I remember it. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of things missing in between <laughs> a lot of trauma. Um, oh. for me, you know, here's what I remember. It was a beautiful birthing center. It overlooked San Diego, had these big windows. You had, I had a tub, I had a shower, I had a toilet, I had a bed, like a big bed. Yeah. Um, not just like a twin size bed and lots of space. I was so lucky in my birthing experience, you know, there's so many different places that one can birth and having Healthcare through UC San Diego and being able to birth at UC San Diego and having room for me there and not being in COVID. That was right before COVID hit. Being able to have my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, you, the nurses, everyone, not masked. you know, anyone who wanted to come eat snacks. I mean, when in the waiting room, there was a family with pozole. I was like, what? This is going to be a party, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just felt so blessed to have that opportunity to birth in such a safe, clean environment. And I know that not everyone has that. It's true. And and so like the fact that I was in a a tub of hot water, relieving the aches and pains that I was feeling and contractions, you know, My birth, my birth experience did last a very long time. I had already labored the night before. I came in at about six o'clock in the evening. You had come maybe two hours later, and and I remember it. The sun had set when I was there, and it rose, and I was still laboring. I had gotten to nine centimeters naturally, uh, you know, we had, we had popped my, my water bag trying to instigate a little more like movement to get me dilated to 10. I remember uh, it was really hard around, I think it was at nine centimeters. I was there for a very long time. You know, at that point, your body is naturally pushing. It feels like you have to take a big old poop and it's just pressure, pressure, pressure. And I just wanted so badly. I was so ready to birth naturally, like without any kind of assistance from epidural. And I was so close and I sat there for so long and we were flipping. I remember us flipping all around the bed. You were having me stand up hold Leo's shoulders, have him, you know, behind my back, putting pressure on certain areas. I remember we put the gas mask on my oh, face yeah. to try and relieve did you to did get you some like oxygen the
2: nitrous?
0: or, or was it, it was the nitrous. <sighs> yes. I remember uh, we pulled ripping. out all the tricks. <laughs> Ooh, we, yeah. I was like, I want <laughs> everything did. in the bag, we whatever. Did. I want all the peppermint oils, lavender, chamomile, whatever you got. You know, yeah. I remember you spoon feeding me cold, Jell uh, jello. It was like orange jello. And I hadn't really eaten anything. And I, and you know, you're just running on adrenaline and whatever kind of hormones are just surging through your body. It is, I mean, I hope people are understanding. Birth is the nuttiest experience. For sure. It is the most beautiful and the nuttiest. And you were just, you were so skilled and adept and you were so calm. And Leo, poor thing, when I talked to him about the birth, I mean, you know, obviously I'm going through all the pain. I'm going through the experience physically, but he is there as a support system, watching me go through all this pain and feeling
2: this sense of helplessness, helplessness. Yes. Do you find that a lot with partners? Oh, absolutely. and, And that is one of the things that I really have been focusing on a lot mm-hmm. is making sure that the partner feels that they are have tools to help mom, just like I have tools to help mom mm-hmm. who's birthing and to be able to then look to me and have me go, this is normal. This is okay. She's doing great. You're good. Mm-hmm. You know, and have their reassurance too, that everything is fine. There's no need for concern, although they are concerned for you because they i I know all all of my partners wish that they could take it from their partner who's laboring They, they want to take it on themselves to do it and it is the hardest thing to sit there and watch someone whom you love and you are super excited about this new life that's coming into the world and not be able to share part of that burden, but you have to let it go. You have to let your partner emerge, right? It's (laughs) hard to watch that. For me, I see it so frequently. It's not hard for me. I don't have that emotional connection. For me, it's exciting because I know what's going to emerge on the other side. And so I'm just... Helping, helping, helping to get them to that other point, and then oh my goodness, you did it! You're amazing. Oh and my gosh, it's the most exhilarating thing ever. And I have to tell you, um, six months ago, my daughter had a baby. Oh my god, that I didn't. And to be part of her birth in the birth center, the same room that you had, and to see her have her unmedicated birth and just emerge in this moment of here's my baby. And, and I was just bawling. I was oh just so proud of her yeah. and the strength that she had. And to, Oh my goodness, it just makes me tear up in this emotion of gratitude that everything that I had been doing for the past 13 years has culminated in this moment of having my baby help her have her baby. And it was just miraculous.
0: Oh my gosh, that makes me tear up. You are just chock full of information that women listening to this, parents listening to this, people who are preparing themselves for their first, second, third, fourth birth could take from, you know, because every experience is so different. I mean, based off of working with so many different families, are there nuggets of wisdom, information, mantras, Anything that you could provide that you feel like has been the most helpful for people preparing to give
2: birth? So for preparing to give give birth, um, the number one mantra for sure is prepare to not be in control. I'm going to give you a bunch of tools. We're going to stack all the cards in your favor, and then you got to let go. You have to let go because your baby has a role in this and your body has a role in it that you can't control necessarily there are factors that you have to let go of. So I like to, and I, I don't know if you remember this analogy. I love talking in analogies because I hope, I think it helps to bring us to something that we already know about. Mm-hmm. And we all maybe have traveled on an international travel or flight and you pack your bags, mm-hmm. you, you plan what you're going to wear on the airplane. You maybe bring some snacks, you have some entertainment, you have um, your plans for once you get to your destination of where you're going to stay and things you want to do and who you're going to see and you know you make a plan and they it has to then once you get to the airport even you're at the will of the TSA you're at the will of the airline you know company the and once you're on the flight. You're at the mercy of the flight crew and the, the pilot, yeah. and you have to let go of some things. You did all you could do. Absolutely took care of every possible avenue that you could so that you could be comfortable and healthy and happy. And um, then you have to let go. It is it's good to know that there's a lot you can do. Um, it's not a total. OK, take me by the hand. Buy my ticket, give me food, show me, you know we're not children, right? An infant, that's all they're doing. They're totally dependent. but that opportunity to take charge and to show your independence mm-hmm. and that initiative, that's the most beautiful part of when I watch a woman in labor is that moment she takes charge. and it's ah. Oh,
0: what like, does it look like? like what do you? you know, what are the? She, what are the signs that she is fully in charge?
2: She mm. says, "I want to do this. I need to do that." Or sometimes they they try to be polite about it, but it still is. I I recognize that they're being in tune with their body and they recognizing that they have needs mm-hmm. and that they can voice them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they they respond in a can I have, or would it be okay to, you know, these kind of open end, you know, things with whatever it is that they are needing or wanting. And it's like, absolutely. You can have that. Let's, let's do that. If that's what you want, you know? And so being able to navigate that and help them feel empowered to yes, have everything you want make, make those choices and be decisive in what you think you feel like my body needs to do in that moment.
0: You're so vulnerable. I mean, I don't know, I'm sure other moms birth different ways, but I was fully naked because of the access to the tub. And I mean, it's so funny because after birth, I feel like I could literally do anything. I could do anything, having, um, getting to nine centimeters and being there for hours unmedicated. I was like, I can literally conquer the world. It is a very empowering feeling. And I love that Mm. you get to bring women to that point to give them the environment and the space of, like, this is safe. Your body, you know, there's things out of your control, but they know what to do. Trust, you know, trusting that sacred, internal eons worth of body knowledge that a birthing body just takes over. And knows what to do and surrendering to it is super spirit. That was the spiritual part for me. Yes.
2: Yes. And I'm so glad that as you um, look back at your birth, you can recognize that there were moments where you had that empowered feeling. Mm -hmm. And then at that same moment you had to submit. Mm -hmm. Okay. I need to give in to letting it go and, letting go of my expectations of having this completely unmedicated birth to, okay, let's use the next tool that we have available to us, which is an epidural and being okay with letting it go in that direction. And that that was the next thing that you needed to accept in your journey, because it is in the learning to let go that we find our strength again.
1: Oh,
0: I love it. That's so applicable in the birthing center and outside the birthing center. They're realizing that you cannot, especially for someone like myself and many others that I associate with are like high achieving type A people that are constantly and that are anxious trying to control the environment, you know? And when you submit to knowing that you
2: cannot control everything, it's very freeing. So I learned this in my journey as a doula. I remember in the training, I kept asking, so I want to, you know, take really serious notes here to make sure that I I get it all right. And I do feel the formula and make it work. And and it's going to, you know, be this perfect formula of success. And, you know, and it's like, well, what is success? It's the mom feeling empowered by her birth. And that's Mm going to look different to everyone. Mm -hmm. And letting go of oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this to make a successful birth and labor experience for someone isn't exactly correct. In learning all the tools and then learning how to let go of my intuition to control the situation or to force something when you really have to Use that intuition to, well, what does the mom need? What does the partner need? What do the other family members need? What does the baby need? And bringing this kind of warm, perfect balance between all those things so that it can emerge into this, what would be successful for them. And even if you had a mom who ended up having a cesarean birth, she might feel like, oh, I failed. I ended up with a cesarean birth. But my client just recently, she experienced every aspect that you could possibly experience and then ended up with a cesarean. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, she's like, well, I've done it all. Yep. Isn't that amazing? It's like, it absolutely is. That's an
0: amazing way to reframe it.
2: You know, you went through it all. There was nothing that you lacked in your ability to um, overcome.
0: I approached the birth experience with a lot of curiosity, mm-hmm. and I think that was really helpful to to like re- try and remain curious the whole time, you know. And and even in motherhood, especially early motherhood, which we'll talk about in a bit, everything was so new, and you could read all the books. I mean, they they do a good job, you know, preparing you for what oh, could yeah. happen. But the reality is is just going to be so wildly different um, yeah. from, from a book and a piece of paper to like the lived experience. And, um, and it was really cool. You know, I, I did end up getting the epidural and it was a very different experience going from the dark kind of cave-like atmosphere where it's very calm, lots of essential oils to like being wheeled down the hall to like bright fluorescent lights, you know, having two men come in, the anesthesiologist yeah. to put it in my back and be like, hey... I'm going to have a contraction. Please don't paralyze me. And they're like, don't worry. We got you. You're going to be fine. And so they did their thing and they left. And within minutes, I was like, oh my God, why did I not do this earlier? My gosh.
2: You, because you have to look back and realize that no, because those were my choices and I owned every single one of them. And if I had been, if you had been whisked in and somebody had said, you know what? You don't need to get in the tub. You don't need to have those essential oils. You don't need to do all those positions. Let's just go right into the room, sit down on the bed, get your epidural, and you can watch a movie. That wasn't the experience that you wanted. That's so true. Yeah. Right? So it worked out exactly the right thing for you. You would have felt this emptiness of, well, I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to do that. I was hoping for this. And you ended up with something else because your choices can be taken away from you. This is like my mantra of custom childbirth ed is that your birth, your way, what do you expect? What are your aspirations for this experience? Just like everybody can go to the same destination on their trip, but everyone's gonna have a different experience based on what they're looking to get out of it. If, If all they want is a baby delivered, they're handed to you, then you can have that. And you'll be very happy with that. Yeah. But not everybody aspires for just having it handed to them.
0: Some of my friends who have multiple children, that's exactly the birth birth they want on their second, third and fourth. They roll in at five centimeters. They're like, okay, I would like to have the upper dural, and we'll just, you know, the baby will come when he comes. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean I get that. I you know, again, Absolutely. I I don't plan on having another one anytime soon. I'm very very satisfied with one child. He's amazing. Yeah. And but I think if I were to do it again, I think I might try and do it the same way again. Right. And because, so everyone's yeah. so different.
2: And and so that's why it's important to really tune into Having those conversations with, well, what do you, what do you expect out of your birthing experience? What are you hoping for? What are your, what do you, have you seen? What do you heard? What do you want to avoid? What do you want to embrace? And let's write that script and let's try to see if we can make that happen for you. So in
0: your practice, you do that with couples. Can you talk a little bit more about what that kind of, is it prenatal counseling?
2: Is that what it's called? Um, Well, I call it making a birth plan. Oh, perfect. It's it's not a plan. It's birth expectations Mm -hmm. is what I like to call it because you can expect a lot. We can't plan everything to the detail because we don't know how our labor patterns are going to go. We don't know how quick everything's going to happen. We don't know how slow everything's going to happen. So it, we can't necessarily plan out every detail that, okay, this time, you know, we're we'll an itinerary of doing this, 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 and this, but it's more like, well, my expectations are to have a quiet, serene environment, mm-hmm. to have um, the baby skin to skin immediately after birth to have my ability to move around freely in whatever position I decide to be in and to have my partner there right by my side the entire time. And I expect to eat whenever I want to eat, whatever I want to eat, you know, having basic human rights as your expectations are like, hello, (laughs) you know, it, it should be a given. And yet we have to Empower people to, as the birthing person, to say, "Yeah, no, I definitely want all that stuff." So, okay, well, let's make sure that you are inviting a care provider who's also interested in giving you those things. And mm-hmm. and if you're not with the right care provider, that's you know, if if your friends are wanting to just go in, get their epidural, and have their baby, then you could pretty much go anywhere for that. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for a particular um, experience, then you need to choose carefully your care provider who also supports that. So in working through the birth expectations, we talk about the things that um, you might want to uh, consider having at your birth or not having at your birth, or even I've had to talk to with people who are like really concerned about their certain in-law being at their birth or injecting their, you know, their will here. And this is, no, this is me and my partner and we don't want them. And it's like, okay, then let's be really clear about that. Now is the time to pull your big girl pants on and really stand up for what you want. And that is part of the empowering Part of the experience. And so, yes, it starts at the beginning in that birth planning, birth um, expectations visit that we have.
0: I love it. And I think, you know, again, if this is your first time going through it, having someone who's been through that to give you the permission to say, have your birth your way. You are entitled to it. It is a human right <laughs> to do that. And when it, it's put so confidently, The birthing parent and partner can be like, oh yeah, we do have power here. I think, I mean, that is why you made our experience. I mean, obviously it's a co it's a collaborative environment that you build with each birthing family, but really you are the coach. You And then I'm sure you advocate for them, too, if they if they do in the process lose their voice, because I remember you talking to the midwife on our behalf at some point. But I mean, I think I was able, you know, collaboratively, we are able to advocate. But I think a lot of parents do get into this place where, again, there's a doctor, a midwife, nurses. These are the experts. And there are times when people feel like they are not heard by those professionals. And so having a third party to help, to help emphasize, this is what my client needs.
2: Well, or this is what she, her expectations are. And I had this a couple of times most recently where you have somebody who comes in, they never even looked at her birth plan. So they don't know what she wants. And so here they are. She's got her legs up in the stirrups, and the doctor's got her fingers inside of her vagina and stretching her out. And I, I have to say, um, so-and-so has in her birth plan to have no fingers in her vagina.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's we're we're good with that. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, just to give that gentle reminder that. Um, evidence shows that hands-off birthing saves perineums more than anything else. So let's, let's be up on the evidence of what can, you know, provide for a lot of women big on their list, their checklist of birth expectations is to have an intact perineum and no stitches, you know, so let's make that work. Let's make that happen for them.
0: Unfortunately, that did not happen with my son who has the head the size of a watermelon. I mean, he literally measured his head. Doctors were like, look, this head is literally off the charts. Still today, it's off the charts. And they measured Leo's head because they measured my head. They're like, you have normal head. They measured Leo's head. They're like, ah, that's where it comes from. And I have to say, I mean, the tearing that happened during childbirth was so intense. Thankfully, you know, at, at, in the moment I had no idea because I was completely numbed up, but like the first bowel movement after having a baby, which came days later, I mean, days later, I was like, Oh, this is going to be awful. And you're taking stool softeners and stuff. And I'm just, after I was released from the hospital, just gripping, gripping the wall. And it was almost It was a traumatic, like post-traumatic stress. It was some kind of like flashback to birth because I do think although my birth was incredibly beautiful, there is a sense of trauma about it. You know, oftentimes we're told, or at least the midwives, and I love my midwives, but they were like, at six weeks, you'll be able to, you know, run again and have sex again and do all these things again. And like six weeks came and went and I tried to have sex. Not that I really even wanted to, but I was like, let's just, let's just see. Let's just try. I'm exhausted. it's
2: almost like you're (sighs) a virgin all over again
0: it is worse because I remember the first thought I had as soon as he tried to penetrate my vagina I was like get out get out I it was so painful and I remember just sobbing sobbing thinking I'll never be able to have sex again I literally that was a thought in my head that was a truth like well my vagina is broken forever now That's just, you know, and of course that didn't happen. We have a great sex life. It just took way more time than six weeks. Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm sure, you know, they're using six weeks as like, there's data points that say this and, you know, hopefully you're stopped. You've stopped bleeding at that point, but man, I was, I felt like I was promised six weeks (laughs) and then when it got to six weeks and I couldn't run and I couldn't have sex and I couldn't, you know, and I wasn't maybe I hadn't stopped bleeding. I was like, what's wrong with me? So I think that, you know, I'd love to transition into that fourth trimester, the months after one has a baby. What are the things that you often find yourself counseling women on or parents on during that time? What are the struggles that most often come up and what solutions do you help provide
2: for them? What do I see a lot of? Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time it all has to do with one is their body image mm-hmm. because your body is different. It has what some people like to call war wounds, mm. <laughs> but others, you know, it's like, no, these are my wonderful evidence that my body is strong and amazing to stretch and grow and have a baby that <laughs> Nobody else can take from me. This is mine. I should have a few stretch marks to show for my effort. Uh the breasts, if they're breastfeeding, that's a huge part of I don't know what to do with these things. <laughs> they're either really hard and hot and producing so much milk they don't know what to do with it all, or they're struggling to get their milk supply going and they're just feeling inadequate that my body isn't functioning right. And I can't take care of my baby. And bottom of the line, it's body image, accepting that new change and accepting that it's going to continue to change over the next year. That it's not like, okay, done. Had the baby. This is your new body. It's not like that at all. It's going to continue. I always say, your body took eight months to change to what it was and mm-hmm. now give yourself another eight months to come back at minimum at the least. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's more realistic than six weeks for sure. Owning and relaxing and accepting where you are with um, your body coming back to a new homeostasis of mom body and being okay with that and accepting it and i love that my my daughter accepted it so much she's very petite and um, at, right afterwards she's like i'm getting rid of all my my size 0 jeans and i'm going to get all these new clothes and you know it's like and now of course it's been 6 months and she's realizing that these clothes that she bought that were for a little bit larger body size She's continuing to shrink back down still. And so I was like, oh, I guess I, I was too excited. Should have kept them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Should
2: have just put them in a closet. Right. But yeah.
0: then she's like, well, I deserve new clothes. So that's okay too. <laughs> you know? I think that's so smart. Uh, you know, that's something that I just had a conversation with my friend about is about she just had a baby mm, six months ago. And she's like, my clothes don't fit. I'm like, they probably won't fit for another six months at least. And that's if you really work at it, you know, because you're going to be exhausted taking care of this baby and you're going to have all, I mean, your breasts fill up with milk every like two hours. You have to feed all the time. Like, I don't know when someone has the energy time or physically feel the need to like go running or weightlifting, like good if you can, but if you can't, that's okay. Okay. It's okay Absolutely. to take a little bit of a rest. Yes.
2: and yet I have some moms who are um, four weeks postpartum and just itching to get back onto their yoga mat
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and getting that because their body's a certain way that that's an okay expectation for them personally. Yeah. But you would never hold anyone else up to that same expectation. Everyone is different, and that's the the other thing again to grapple to realize that there's no set little check marks that you're going to you know accomplish and that there's a timeline and that it's exactly the same for everyone it's not it's almost as transformative like physically you can see the changes happening physically and emotionally and mentally as you are struggling with lack of sleep and lack of confidence, lack of maybe support that you need to do everything that you need to get done, and then expecting you to be bouncing back and having these expectations from all these different sources that, oh, come on, what's wrong with you? When everyone's story is different and giving yourself that allowance to continue to write your story, very unique to you and not comparing. we got to quit comparing ourselves to other people and that it's okay if it takes a little bit longer. It's absolutely 100% okay. Women need to hear that
0: over and over and over again. Yes. Yes. Until it starts to really become a belief. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't, other than like, you know, buy clothes that fit your body so that you're not feeling the squeeze of like yeah. the jeans that are too tight. Why are right. you even wearing jeans after pregnancy? Like get we yourself out some, and found some stretchy pants. Really
2: fun sweatpants that are, you know, tie-dyed and feeling really fun and pretty in these elastic stretchy pants, you know, instead yeah. of feeling like, oh, those, there are my jeans I can't wear, Hmm, you know and being feeling defeated by some unrealistic expectation.
0: It is so hard for women because oftentimes their whole life they're told to be a certain size that they're not small enough, you know, that they're not fit enough. And then on top of literally their bodies going through all the hormone changes, the night sweats, the breasts that are just so engorged with milk and so sore, And your vagina is completely generally, if you had a vaginal birth, generally feeling destroyed for a couple of weeks at minimum. And with your, I mean, just my hips ached. I had tendonitis. I mean, it is, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: it is so interesting to me that people describe pregnancy as a nine month thing. And I see it as like a three year thing after going much. through it, you Pretty are preparing good. your body. If, if, you know, the way that I approached it anyway, yes. was I was preparing my body seven months prior, right. I took myself yeah. off of birth control and I was like, we'll see how fast I got pregnant. I got pregnant about seven months later. So that was seven months of like exercising regularly because I looked at birth as a marathon, I okay. knew it was going to be a very athletic event, which it absolutely was. And that throughout my pregnancy, that's why I hit the gym every day. I was lucky enough that I did not have sickness, and I was able to do that. And then after giving birth, it took at least a year to feel a sense of like I can go back to the gym now, at least. Yeah. So that's like, oh yeah, over two years of an experience.
2: And hats off to moms who three or four months after giving birth get pregnant again. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. It's amazing that their bodies can manage that.
0: I have a girlfriend right now who her children are going to be a year apart.
2: Mm -hmm. And I'm like,
0: I cannot understand. Like I would never have wanted that, but she was like, for my career, I needed to do this. I know we wanted to and you make the sacrifice
2: like- and you get it done. You get the job done. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Like, you know, that's no, what women do. We just get you it done. Get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> oh and whatever God. the sacrifice and whatever it takes after that, whatever, yeah. we'll we'll manage. We we can make it happen. We can get it done. Yeah. Certainly if you want to make other choices and want to wait a little bit longer and you know, let your body heal a little bit more, then great. That's your choice too. Can we talk about how new moms in particular
0: work with their partners to with finding a new normal for them?
2: I mean, I imagine that you oh, talk yeah. to them a lot. Two out of three marriages rate that they are unsatisfied with their relationship after birth. Mm-hmm. Two out of three, that's a lot. So there's a lot of care that is going un spoken about and unhelped and treated, but there's absolutely like, there's some groups out there. Another psychologist who has a whole website and group out there, she does six weeks of classes, just preparing parents for postpartum and how to traverse that part of their relationship and their responsibilities and their personal needs. So there's a lot to it. It's not so easy to poo poo away in just, you know, one, one class or so, or just one conversation with your care provider at six week appointment, you know, there is a lot that goes into that. And it definitely changes the dynamic of your relationship. And so when I first started putting together the postpartum class, that is what I focused on. And unfortunately, we, we started to get a lot of feedback because postpartum is so broad mm-hmm. in, like we've discussed, of lots of things that people want to know about. And that was before birth. They didn't think applied to them. So they didn't think, well, that's not going to be our problem. Like I want to know about the vaginal bleeding and the night yeah. sweats. And, you know, I want to know about all that other stuff. I don't need to know about that. And so it's probably only post-birth do you realize how vital that is because you realize that you get sucked into the baby vortex and you are short and snippy with each other. And you are all consumed with taking care of baby that you forget each other you forget to nurture each other you forget to take time for yourself and each other that can take a toll on a relationship especially one where the birthing person is hormonal <laughs> so you have to give allowance there too right yes, things yes. are normalizing and it's going to take a little bit so you need a little bit of patience on you know coming from the other side having a therapist that can talk you through kind of like, well,
0: what is, where are you feeling most stuck? Where are you feeling most frustrated? What are your perspectives on it? What are your perspectives? Having that third neutral party that's completely confidential, that has no ties to you whatsoever in your family is so beneficial. Just one session. And I was like, oh, this is shifting the way that I think about, you know, how I need to advocate for my needs, you know, yeah. having a professional there to ask the tough questions right. and feeling that sense of like, well, I have to tell
2: this therapist, you know, like I have to be honest if I'm going to make it work. Yes. It is hard. Relationships are hard. True. Absolutely. And anything you're going to work at that's worth it is going to be, um, come out of the difficulties, even better and stronger than it was before mm-hmm. every time, just as you emerged from your birth. Better and stronger as a personal advocate and feeling like you can do anything. For me, you know, postpartum depression
0: was something that went undiagnosed for so long. And so I wonder if you can talk about, you know, your experience working with moms going through that and how you might be. And
2: I know that you're not a therapist in that way. No, but you are. I experienced postpartum depression myself. Okay. And I was really grateful that I did experience that because. Normally, I was this very optimistic, upbeat, never depressed today, hardly sad. You know, it it was like to be it was a very unnormal thing for me to be experiencing. And I never had that empathy for others who were going through either chronic depression or just a bad day or um, for sure postpartum depression. I had no understanding until I went through it myself. And then I could finally empathize with them. So I was grateful for that experience so that I could understand what other people can potentially be going through. In my story, I um, experienced postpartum depression after my second birth. And the statistic is that one in seven births has a postpartum depression attached to it in that fourth trimester. And that does not mean that one in seven women, rather one in seven births. So I had three births and one of them, I had postpartum depression. And so it's a lot more common than a lot of people even give understanding or credit to the fact that postpartum depression, really does have a big impact on a lot of people.
0: So, Do you remember what your symptoms were?
2: Like when did yeah, you, was, when did you realize that it you was, had postpartum? It was very interesting because it happened at almost exactly six months after my baby had been born. And it was almost like I woke up with a cold where there was this fog and this Sense of, I don't know, foreboding. And I wanted to get in the car and just drive somewhere. I didn't even know where I wanted to go. Uh, I just was like antsy and anxious and sad for no apparent reason. Yeah. And it was all for me, it seemed to just come overnight. And I recognized that I, it was not normal for me. And I think that's what's important for people to self-diagnose and recognize, you know, be in tune with yourself and know what's normal for you. So immediately, if not that day, the next day I told my husband and again, you know, it's that opportunity to be vulnerable and, you know, share and be concerned that, am I going to be believed? Am I going to be, you know, what's the response going to be? Um, Is it going to be poo-pooed or whatever, you know? And recognizing that his concern immediately was, let's get an appointment with the doctor Mm -hmm. and see what they have to say. See what kind of referrals we can get. Let's get counseling or do whatever they need, you know, you need to do. Let's take care of you and immediately got in, it seemed quite quickly with uh, my doctor. And um, he went through a few different options that are, were at the time, and this was 26 years ago. So things have changed. Mm-hmm. And certainly this is not, you know, I'm not telling the world, this is what you should do, <laughs> because you should absolutely check with your care provider to see what's right for you. Yep. Medications any and every medication that they have right now to help people does not cause interference with your breast milk or with the baby in feeding. So put that out that that's not a concern. Like, oh, if I start taking this, it's going to affect my baby. It's not, absolutely not. Um, And that there is a lot of people out there who are now very, very aware of postpartum depression. And there are clinicians, there are therapists, that's all they do is postpartum depression. And they're booked. It's yeah. hard to get in with these people and to have support groups and have group group time therapy, even if it's around um the guise of breastfeeding support group or whatever. Sure. You know, yeah. it can be anything like that. And it's going to be this supportive um, element that normalizes what you're feeling and thinking and going through. Now, certainly, if if you need one on one counseling, then that's important to get as well. But um, so it, it doesn't it looks different. The solutions look different for everyone. My doctor suggested mm-hmm. um, he suggested to do a sleep therapy. And so oh. what it basically is, is to uh, put yourself in a jet lag situation. And then all of a sudden, it, the, the wavelengths in your brain are not quite um, going evenly. They're, they're kind of all over the place, which is why you feel this fogginess in your head. I don't know if you um, can relate if that was something that you experienced
0: mostly irritability and a lot of irritability
2: and a lot of sadness. Yeah. Okay. And just like hopelessness. uh Mm Uh-huh. So this, this, the brain waves are just not flowing properly. And to, to have this trigger, which medication can do, um, he suggested this sleep therapy, which basically was me going to bed at nine o'clock after feeding the baby. Um, my baby's always woke up in the middle of the night to eat um, at least once a one-time night feeding every four hours which was fine with me so I would feed my baby at 1 a.m and I put her back down to bed then I had to stay awake I had to stay up that whole rest of that night and the next day the whole day no napping just totally stay awake 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 until the next night 9 p.m able to go to bed, sleep that night again. Sure. I woke up, got fed and then went back to bed. And then the next morning when I got up, it was like the cloud had lifted. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. It was like, that really worked. It was amazing. Wow. But you know, certainly not for everybody. Sure but it's good to know. It's good to hear that. There's options. There's so many different options out there. Things you would not even know about.
0: Yeah. And I think it takes, it just takes you, well, one, like you said, coming to the realization I'm feeling different, right? And this is more than just exhaustion from having a baby, which as you and I both know, they wake up multiple times a night. You wake up, you have to feed them, change them. Hopefully you get to go back to bed, but sometimes that's not the case, you know? And so it's more than that. It, and it shows up in different ways. Like it showed up differently for you than it did for me. You describe sure. like a brain fog and, and kind of just, just sadness. I also experienced sadness, but also lots of irritability
2: and just. My, I, my irritability was, um, I think expressed in me wanting to get in the car and go. Just, yes. Need to get somewhere, go somewhere. I didn't know where I was going to go, but I, I just needed to leave, like yes. leave the situation. But I wanted to bring my baby with me. I didn't want to abandon my baby. Oh,
0: I wanted to abandon my baby and my (laughs) husband. I I mean, that was, it was really scary because I I had, we waited for so long to have children and I was so excited to have a child, you know, I was a little nervous to begin with. And I was like, okay, I know this is going to be a big commitment philosophically. And then when I got to it, and then you add on that, what I didn't know at the time was postpartum depression. I just wanted to leave. I wanted to leave and have a week alone. I didn't want to see anyone for a week. I did not want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to be touched by anyone. And so it took my husband being like, Sarah, I think, you know, like, I think something's wrong. Like I think you might have postpartum depression. I was like, no, I don't like, I literally was like, "Ew, what? No, I don't. I'm fine. And yeah. he's like, mm, I don't, I don't think you are, you know,
2: this that is takes really a lot important
0: of bravery. point. for
2: Yeah. Uh, this is a really important point that, the people around you are going to notice it probably before you do. Mm -hmm. And you need to trust them. You need to have that trust that, you know, they're not just calling you out for being hormonal. No, they love you and they care about you. And it's worth looking into. Yes. If, 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 if it, even if you want to be in denial, do it for them, do it for them and see what comes of it because nothing nothing but good can come out of exploring the the reality that you are in denying love i'm
0: like in tears right now because i remember
2: i remember seeing my
0: son with my mother And she was having so much fun. And it was like, everything was so easy for her. Like she just was riding a bike again for the first time. Like she knew how to talk to him. She knew how to interact with him. And I felt so distant from him. I looked at him and all I could see was like, my life has ended. Like, I don't have a purpose anymore, but this baby. And I had a full life before having him with friends and going out to eat and traveling and my career. And and I had a really good like career trajectory and now it was all over. That's how I saw it. And so when I finally started to accept that, like, clearly Leo is seeing something I am not. And I do need to talk to a professional. And I sat in the therapist's office and just unloaded everything and all that shame of like, why do I feel this way? What? Why do I feel like this beautiful baby? I have a great husband. I have money. I have literally everything that I could need to have a successful parenthood. And yet I'm sitting here feeling like I hate this why did I choose this I do just want to get in the car and I just want to go and you know what they'll be fine without me like to look back at those thoughts and and really like know that that's the space that I was in and yet still functioning in a job to the best of my ability still functioning in my relationship to the best of my ability when I started to just accept that this is something's off and there are things to help. I wish I had known about the sleep study, but I, I went the route of like therapy and medication. And even that has had, you know, a lot of ups and downs that I'm still working through because I would like to think that at some point I could be off of medication. But what my doctors and therapists have helped me understand is that I have had actually a pattern of depression my whole life and it's generally probably hormone related because I have seen like ups and downs and ups and downs. So it's, it's actually kind of opened the door for a further exploration across a lifespan of me as an emotional human being and processing through, you know, these big questions about purpose and meaning and, uh, and transition as a birth is a transition, becoming a parent's a transition and, you know, There's more conversation happening around matrescence, you know, where it's like the becoming of a mother. And, and that is such an interesting field. And it's something that I have found a lot of strength in, because I realized just like in so many other situations, I'm not alone. There are so many people going through this and there's so many people willing to help, whether it be a supportive partner, a therapist down the road, or a phone call away, these classes for new moms. I mean, the more you can immerse yourself in the learning and open yourself up for talking about it, the yeah. sooner you're going to get to the healing process, whatever that looks like for you.
2: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the point of um, your past. hmm And they found that statistically, you'll have better success navigating postpartum. If you start while you're pregnant with Mm. getting, if you already know that you're prone to depression or anxiety, get the help while you're pregnant and you're going to be much more set up for success to navigate postpartum. Yeah. So it's never, never too um, soon to get some guidance, to have the therapy, to have the support or potentially medication, even during pregnancy.
0: It's, it's so interesting because that's exactly what the doctor said. They were like, man, if you had been, if you had been going to a therapist regularly, if you had been diagnosed, if someone had seen that you probably have PMDD, which is depression and anxiety around your hormonal cycle, as it relates to your menstrual cycle, we could, you know, you could have been a little more prepared, but it's okay. Cause we're here now getting yep. you the help you need. Yep. And so I know that our time's coming to an end and I just, um, I'm so grateful to you, Kathy. You've been, I mean, I literally in my notes for this meeting, were like, she is an angel on earth. Like I, I know you're, you're so humble and you're, you know, you're just, you're just here to help serve and love people, but the amount of the amount of strength that you give people the amount of love that you give people, the guidance and the empowerment. That's why you were one of the first people I thought to myself, I'm definitely having Kathy on. So I know at the beginning, you're like, I'm a little starstruck. I'm talking to Sarah. I'm starstruck at you, at my experience I had with you, what you continue to bring to the world, what you continue to bring to women um, and and families. So many people just have no idea how to go through this. And here you are, just this light, of you can have whatever you want, and I'm here to make that happen. And I'm just so grateful that you're in this world. Thank you. And so, how do people find you? what uh, What's your Instagram? What's your website?
2: Custom childbirth Ed. I'm on website. You can even Google Catherine Grimmett doula. And it's, um, I'm the first thing that pops up.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, Kathy, yeah. thank you so much for spending this hour with us today oh. and for imparting all this knowledge and wisdom into the Lady Bits and le- Leadership community. Hey, Nainoa. Do you love me? Uh-huh. How much do you love me? Oh, very much. Mm-hmm. Can you say, I love you, Mommy? I
1: love you, mama.
0: I love you too, baby. I love you so much. You're two and a half years old now. This is my third Mother's Day with you. And I'm just so grateful that you are the most beautiful baby. You're so curious. And you're so sweet. And you make me happy. And you're a silly boy. And I can't wait to see who you become. Good. you're my favorite i love you this is dr sarah vogel and i want to thank you for listening to lady bits and leadership as always if you love this podcast make sure to subscribe to lady bits and leadership and rate and review us so that others can find our community as the best hype women a girl could ask for, I depend on you all to help me get the word out to other folks. So if you love this episode or just the show in general, don't be shy, share it with your friends. I would be so appreciative. If you're interested in learning more about working with me through individual or group coaching, just DM me through our Facebook group or Instagram account, both under the name Lady Bits Leadership. Thank you for trusting me to help guide you on your journey to explore your lady bits so you can love your pussies, rediscover your power, and design a purposeful and fulfilling life. Until next week, this is Dr. Sarah Vogel signing off.